Yes, yes, yes. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Denalysis Fantasy Football Podcast. A mere week on from my complaints about Tuesday night recordings, and here we are recording on a Tuesday. Of course, I must go on with the show, and I'm your ecstatic host, Dan, joined by Natalie. Hi, Nat. What's up? How did your week go? Yeah, fine. Thanks. Yours? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, are you referring to your real week or your FPL week? Both. Both. Yeah. Yeah, a strong 49 for me, right on the average, um, which was, you know, disappointing as always. So uh, game week 22 is finished and, well, I still suck at FPL. I don't know how you did overall. Were you good? Uh, yeah, 69, I think. 69? Oh, I'm so I might have just made it up. Obviously, I don't have my team up because that would be... That would be way too prepared and preparing. ridiculous. But... Yeah, 69. 69, well done. Congrats. And, and with what like i could have had extra that mm. was not with a good captain and not with like i could have had four extra points if i just not messed my bench yeah up. yeah I, I mean much the same here i think i could have had an extra 10 points at least just by playing different players and not taking well 15 actually if i include the minus four that i took for no good reason uh but yeah i, I still have a great time of course uh don't forget you can follow us at the Denalysis on Twitter for some freshly served lukewarm takes on the ongoing football action. And I've actually attempted to do some tweeting this week, which has been oh, great Oh, Dan's fun. done so much, so much tweeting. I was out and I was like, what is going on? And I was like, oh my God, Dan's tweeting. Mm. Incessantly tweeting. Yeah, you know what? I actually enjoyed the Spurs-Man United match so much. I just couldn't help myself. Um... So I guess it's it's quite natural to start with the breaking news that, that Kane is likely to be out until the early part of March and Son has departed for Asian Cup duty. So do we think there is any hope for Spurs as FPL options? Of course, they play Fulham next and Kane was looking to be a surefire captain. So maybe this creates a, a perfect opportunity for more midfield investment, considering that the, the top sort of strikers aren't really performing. But I don't know. Do you like the look of any of those Spurs midfielders? Or Lorente? No. No. Uh, can Lorente do goals? Sure. <laughs> well, as evidenced by the game against Man United, probably not. Uh, so he tried, but, but he didn't. He didn't do the goal. That said, neither did Kane or Son or any of their highly clinical strikers that they had on the pitch, so... I don't know, it's questionable. Yeah, and then obviously Ericsson and Ali are too expensive. Um, Lucas Moore is injured and is Lamella actually good? Who knows? I think Ericsson is the only one I dare going for just because he is actually good. Yeah, I, I mean, Ali in particular, like he missed a really big chance in that game against United and it should be said that De Gea, it was a fairly fantastic performance from him but Spurs finishing just wasn't really on it. Um, but they do have Fulham next, then Watford, then Newcastle, then Leicester, then Burnley. So it's kind of what... That's the annoying thing is that the fixtures are really good. Yeah, yeah. so uh, it's kind of a tricky one because you have this situation where, I don't know, do Spurs midfielders become differentials in this period? Because you would expect that most sort of experienced FPL players, so to speak, would probably steer clear knowing that the two most potent goal threats for Spurs are, well, they're out for at least a few weeks uh, with regards to Son and 
a month for Kane. So maybe there is an opportunity there. It's just we haven't even seen what effect both of those players being out has for Spurs. I heard a stat and I, I'm really annoyed I wasn't able to find it again before recording the podcast. But it was something like Spurs haven't started a game without either of those players for like three years or something. So there isn't even there isn't even evidence of what would happen if, if neither of them started. So, yeah, we don't really know. And I'm inclined to say that it's a big risk. But that said, if you are dropping down Kane to someone like Rashford, who's popped up out of nowhere, then you do actually have a, a fair bit of spare cash to invest in the team. It just depends where you want to put that. Uh, so it's time to mention the elephant in the room, or rather the pain in my brain, and that is West Ham's victory against Arsenal. Their first since 2006, and Aubameyang, my beautiful 12.30 captain. Why you got to do this to me, bro? Why do you hurt me like this? Well, you ruined yourself by going against the first rule of the podcast. Yeah, rule one of the analysis podcast. If you're a new listener, never captain the 12.30 kickoff. Never. And what did I do? I broke that rule, and I deserved everything that I had coming to me. Um, Arsenal in general, kind of a parting comment, I think we're about two losses away from the the Arsenal fans detective agency of Twitter forming, because it's just getting mental at the moment. Like, the amount of conspiracy theories and, like, places people are trying to f- f- fling blame just to figure out, like, whose fault it is that Arsenal are sucking at the moment, it's, it's quite embarrassing. Uh, but... I've got quite a few notes on this game because it's kind of weird. It's one of those where when you see the result, you kind of look at it as like, oh, West Ham really good, Arsenal was shit. And I don't think football is often that binary. Surely no one thinks that after 1-0. Yeah, you'd be surprised how carried away people get because this is a game that Arsenal, you know, on paper they should be winning. And West Ham, we all know, like about their defence this season, how, especially with Agbonna, like, that was something I mentioned quite a lot um, Yeah. on last week's podcast, was the fact that they've got Balbuena out for, like, a, a month and a half. Um, looked like a significant problem, but Arsenal actually, quite surprisingly, started really well in this game. Had a number of moments, particularly with Kalasinac, where they're in really good positions, just made the wrong decision, like, waiting too long to pass or shot when a, there was a better option on. Then after the first 25 minutes or so, it just became a mess. It was like both teams giving away the ball, not knowing what to do. And uh, West Ham actually started in this period to play some some Wenger ball with Nasri being the main catalyst. Lots of sort of nice one-touch moves around the edge of the area. And yeah, Nasri at 5.5, you have to say he's, well, he's impressed me, that's for sure. I don't know um, if you caught the highlights for, for this game, but... Are you? A, I watched the whole game. You watched the whole game. Are you a little bit tempted yeah. by Nasri? What do you think of him? Uh, yeah, I well, I like the fact that he is extremely cheap, um, and I've just got rid of Felipe Anderson, and originally was gonna get uh, Arnautovic in instead. Yeah. But now I'm like, oh, I can just have Nasri instead. Yeah, yeah, and considering the position he plays, he seemed to be a little bit more advanced than. Anderson in general because Anderson's playing more sort of out wide yeah and he was yeah he was very much the catalyst to a lot of the the passing moves they started and having him Arnautovic Anderson even Noble to to a lesser extent all in the same team they ended up playing some really really pretty football which 
I don't think you would have associated with West Ham for a number of years. Um, I, th- I thought the the play was nice, but ultimately it didn't really lead to many good chances besides one for Anderson that, that Nazari also set up. Mm. Um, but the second half, I was really hoping for more, more energy and more directness from Arsenal. And after they conceded the goal, it was just 40 minutes of, of aimless passing between the, well, it was the back two of Koscielny and Socrates and Guendouzi. And uh, most worrying, I think, for Aubameyang owners, myself included, is there was just a lack of, of real chance creation. I think Aubameyang had had maybe one sort of chance in the game. Other than that, it was just very, very subdued from Arsenal. So they do have a relatively mixed set of fixtures, Arsenal that is, with Chelsea at home next, then Cardiff at home. And I guess the... The one saving grace is Arsenal's home form has been pretty solid this season. It's just the away form that started to slip a bit. But then it's Man City after that. And then it's Huddersfield, Southampton, Bournemouth. I guess the good news is four of those are home games and one is against Huddersfield, who are terrible. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Are you are you thinking of, of maybe getting rid of Aubameyang? No. No. Not risking it. Yeah, I don't know what I'd, where I'd move. Like, it doesn't really make sense for me at the moment. Well, do you like, have Rashford? Really care. No. You don't? No. I just got Pogba, though. Yeah, okay, okay. I can understand not, not necessarily so wanting to double. So I'm not going to go... Yeah, I'm not going to go Aubameyang to Rashford. Yeah. But I could go um, one of those other men I have. <laughs> like, I think I can... Oh, no, I can't. I'd need to make another move somewhere. Yeah. But I can up, like... I have Barnes and Ings now, and I could up one of those. Yeah. To yeah. Rashford if I save some money elsewhere. Like, it's all doable. Yeah. But I just... Yeah, I don't know if I... Right now, I feel like I need Rashford and Pogba because I've got some... I've got problems every week anyway in that mm. I've got too many players I want to start every week. Yeah. I so often I, I often run into that problem. I had that this week, and I got it entirely wrong, so... That that seems to be the problem. When you have too many good players, mm. you don't know which ones to play. And yeah. unless you're very clinical with your decisions, it can be very uh very tricky to get right. But no, I am I, I would say the same as you. I mean I think it's it's slightly tempting. I was looking at earlier on, like I could go Abamyang and uh what was it? Abamyang and Pereira. I could switch to which Pereira? Pereira, who? Uh, so like this is Pereira Pereiras. from from Watford, Leicester Pereira, midfielder. What? Oh, fucking! I, I could okay. switch. I, you know, I know it's complete aside. The guy on Match of the Day who often commentates on Watford games always calls him mm. Pereira. His name is not Pereira. <laughs> like it's just a weird spelling of Pereira, but uh, you're just completely missing out the R. It's so weird. Um, but yeah, back back on topic. Uh, Aubameyang. And Pereira, I could switch to Rashford and basically anyone expensive, but Pogba was the, the guy I was looking at. Um, or, or Sane, potentially, because I I have two City players, but that would give me three City midfielders, which seems crazy at face value, but then they do play Huddersfield next, and they do also play Newcastle after that. Uh, but they're both away from home, and that seems like way too many eggs in one basket, and obviously... That would cost me a minus four. So I started kind of thinking about it. And then I was like, actually, I can see like lots of people getting rid this week against Chelsea. 
But I remember earlier in the season when Arsenal played Chelsea, the, the second game of the season, Yeah. Aubameyang had a number of very, very good chances. At least two, if not three. It was three. like 3-2 three, that game, right? Um, yeah, it finished 3-2 and Aubameyang didn't score in it remarkably. But Arsenal oh, really? couldn't score like five, <laughs> six goals in that game. It was mental. Um, yeah. there, there was just really, really bad finishing. Iwobi also missed a, a really good chance, I think. But... Yeah, I'd be reluctant, considering that Arsenal's home form has been, you know, largely quite good this season. Mm. To take a minus four, to get rid of Aubameyang, to go to Rashford, who is playing Brighton, it is at Old Trafford, so it, it does seem like it could be a good move. But you're moving someone who has high points potential to someone else who has high points potential. And you're kind of increasing the, the, the chance of you missing out in a way. Like, you're increasing the variance, aren't you? So Yeah, I'd kind of want to keep... Um, hold of Aubameyang at least until after the Huddersfield game like you can get rid for the Man City that's fine Yeah. but for two home fixtures it seems like kind of silly to get rid and I appreciate also that uh, United have Brighton at home and then Burnley at home yeah but I don't like it's fair to say that Burnley have turned a corner recently well yeah and I feel like maybe I am blinded by price hmm but to simply switch from Aubameyang to Rashford just seems like, I don't know, it, it doesn't seem right to me. Yeah. Also, there's no reason why Rashford couldn't get dropped for Lukaku. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm inclined to, like, I, I was thinking that initially. But the way I'm seeing Man United play at the moment, I feel like Rashford is going to be the main man for the foreseeable future. But uh-huh. then, I guess we don't know. Like, I think it's FA Cup next week, isn't it? So, um... We may we may see if Lukaku plays that one. Yeah. Although that is against Arsenal as well. So, yeah. Yeah, so it looks to me that he's nailed down a starting berth. Like, the way United were playing, just a quick sort of uh, mention for them. They were, they were brilliant against Spurs. I think the thing that impressed me the most was they just looked like they believed they could score. And when the goal did come, even before the goal came, actually they were defending with so much more passion and so much more energy than when they were under Mourinho. Um, just so many blocks being put in and they weren't making it easy for Spurs to get space in the box. So I think that was what stood out to me in that they weren't just they weren't just good in attack and, and quick in their attacking, but they restricted the quality of the chances that Spurs could create. And that made it really, really encouraging from a Man United perspective um so I do like the look of them going forward quite a lot the problem for me is just I can't fit them in without downgrading a player that I really want to keep and it's yeah it's very frustrating um but yeah back on to West Ham briefly Fabianski barely tested but still had a, a good comfortable game uh West Ham in general much much improved but it was telling that Arsenal created zero big chances for the entire match, especially considering both Aubameyang and, and Lacazette were starting, so you would have expected better. And yeah, uh, we already mentioned it, but Nasri, very central to the attacking play. And at 5.5, you can't really argue with that. Uh, last mention, Arnautovic, he he looked to wave goodbye to the West Ham fans, and it looks increasingly likely that he's going to do everything in his power to push a move through to China. I'd say steer clear if you don't have him. I mean... You're probably thinking to do that anyway, but if you already have him like me, I think it's probably worth holding on 
providing you have he's stuff either to cover play him. or he's gonna not play exactly him, right exactly like, he's not just gonna do something wild mid-game yeah he's not gonna leave in the middle of the game exactly <laughs> no. and they do have Bournemouth up next who have conceded I think over 30 goals in their last nine games so oh it's wild what did I say to you aren't they like the, the team who's conceded the third most goals in the league so I've got their last nine here um their last nine they've conceded 24 goals which is not That's ideal. so many goals. And in that time, they've only scored nine. So we have said a lot about Bournemouth being, you know, they're, they're still going to get goals. But actually, in their last nine, they've only scored nine. Which mm, is they not, have had tough, not good like, t- tough fixtures in the last They nine. have, yeah. It, it should should be mentioned. But the last 12, in, uh, counting all of those, are actually the worst performing team in the league. So... Not very encouraging. And Bournemouth always seem to do this, don't they? They also always seem to go through a, a period like this in the season. Yeah. Uh, just circling back to Arnautovic. Uh, yeah, totally. He could end up being like a good differential because no one's going to bring him in now. Uh, mm. So if you already have him, I, I would definitely hold on and just see what happens. Um, but yeah, like like me, I have I have Jimenez that could come in or or another defender. So it's not too much of a worry. Okay, let's move on to the the top two teams in the league at the moment, starting with Liverpool. And I believe you wanted to mention Firmino briefly. How do you feel about him? Well, I didn't really. He was just an option as a Kane replacement. Yeah. Oh, okay, Uh, yeah. I didn't actually want to talk about him because I don't really care. But it's (laughs) hard to tell where Liverpool are at because what was their last game before the one that they just did? Uh, It was a loss to City. Oh, and they also played Wolves in the FA Cup. So back-to-back losses. So it's all a bit weird, and you can't really tell what's going on, I think, with Liverpool, apart from the defence is good when they're trying. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And Salah is good. Hmm. Because also the 1-0 win over Brighton at the Amex isn't, like, you can't judge anything off that because Brighton are good at defending. Yeah. Well, I would say what, what was good about it is... Brighton literally didn't create a chance. Like they, uh, I didn't think they had a shot on target for the whole game, and that Brighton. Uh, did I say someone else? I have no idea. I wasn't listening. Oh, okay. Yeah, Brighton. <laughs> Brighton is who I'm talking about. Uh, I'm not surprised. Who started that game? Do you know? Like who? Who were the strikers? It was Glenn Murray, I believe. Um, and Donay came on late on, and huh. yeah, like, Meh. they. Liverpool are just doing a great job at really restricting the chances that the teams that play against them can get, especially the, the poorer teams. And we spoke about when they played City, like that could have gone either way. There was two very, very good teams playing against each other. Yeah. But Liverpool have consistently shown this season that they will keep clean sheets and they will score goals against the worst teams in the league. And Salah has consistently proven that he's going to be the main man for that. So I really think you have to have Salah because he is the most consistent player in the league right now. And yeah. I, you obviously need at least one Liverpool defender, but I really think two is a place to go. Probably not this week, because unless you have Robertson and Van Dijk or Robertson and Alisson, it, it's kind of impossible to do. Hold um, on. What? They're all injured. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So Trent Alexander-Arnold, he's got to be out for four weeks, and he's obviously been a popular price option. Um, so he was injured in the game against Brighton, but he just played on, played through the pain, and it turns out he's got a four-week injury now. Oh. So not ideal, but 
Uh, Joe Gomez, who's currently at 4.9, unless he's dropped again. No, he's, he's still 4.9. He's still 4.9. He's slated to return, not this weekend, uh, but the following week, which is a, a midweek round of fixtures. Uh, I can't remember who they've got, but... But yeah, he's slated to return, and he's at 4.9, and he should be... Uh, obviously follow the, the press conferences for this, but I think he should be ahead of Lovren and Matip, and you're likely to see... Milner playing at fullback and Gomez coming back in centrally. And that's a, a good way to get that double up and get it on a, on a budget. Because I do think that's probably the most reliable defensive situation you can have this season. Because if you look at the fixtures, Liverpool barely play anyone that's going to compete with them. And they, they just allow so few shots on goal and so few chances. As long as Van Dijk and Alisson are there, like I think you're fine. I don't think you really have to worry about who the other players are. Maybe Robertson, to some degree as well, is quite important because of his energy. But yeah, they they look fantastic. I'd probably, I'd probably not go for Firmino purely for those reasons, because you're probably more likely to get consistent clean sheet points. And I think there's a lot of attackers that you could invest your money in that'll be better value overall. Uh, Man City, on the other hand. Oh, can I just one? Uh... Oh yeah, sure. Another thing on Salah. If you so if you have Kane and Son, and for whatever reason you haven't made a transfer yet, which I think is unlikely, clearly you move to get Salah in and stick someone cheap up front. If you don't have Salah already. Yeah. Like yeah. if you're getting rid of Kane, because you have to, because you're being forced into it now, and for whatever reason you don't have Salah, that is what you do. Like, that yeah. is how you, what you make your moves to do. It's almost as if the gods are telling you. They're, ah. they're sending a message. They're saying, hey, stop being a dumbass. Drop Kane. Bring in Salah. Everyone's happy. It's true. And, and I don't think many people would look to bring in, like, Aubameyang this week as well. And he's the only other real option. Because yeah. we'll, we'll talk about Man City now, who... For me, this was uh, the game against Wolves on Monday. The reason we're recording tonight was one of the most dull 3-0 wins I've ever seen. And it was interesting to see how City became more proactive when Kevin De Bruyne came on. Because his his presence in general, it just seems to increase the the drive of the whole team. Because Who did he, he come on for? Uh, he came on for David Silva, okay. which I was obviously disappointed about <laughs> because I have David Silva. But I do think <laughs> the, the frustrating conundrum here is I think Kevin De Bruyne really increases the effectiveness of David Silva. So <laughs> I want them to play together. Yeah. Because David Silva, he is at his best when he's getting in those little pockets of space just behind the striker and getting the ball early. And because he's so good at controlling it and controlling in tight areas and just spotting the pass that no one else can see, that becomes such a, a valuable asset for City. But the problem is... I. We have an issue now with, with rotation because it's like who is going to be the, the starting pairing in, in midfield. Uh, but he does have a remarkable ability to just find everyone in really dangerous areas and play. he plays it really early. So I think it does increase the threat of Sane and Sterling as well. Do you have any preferences? I mean, I've got Sterling and Silva. With the whole Kane situation, like... It, that could free up some money for the likes of Sane as well. And I do think Sane is worth a shout. I think he's at 9.6 at the moment. And for me, when I watch City at the moment, it just seems like so many of the attacks go, uh, the attacks go through Sane. And it's kind of frustrating because I do think 
Sterling is better overall when it comes to getting high quality chances. Mm-hmm. But when half of Man City's, well, more than half of Man City's attacks are going down the left, it just exponentially increases the chances of Sane being the one who gets the assist or gets the goal. Yeah. So I'm kind of torn there, but I can't afford to have Sane without getting rid of Sterling. So it's it's just a big conundrum. Yeah, but you wouldn't want three of them in midfield. No, not really. I, I just think that is too many eggs in one basket, even even in the situation where they're playing Huddersfield, because I do think there's a pretty significant threat that Mares might start this weekend. Because he hasn't... Over who? Uh, I mean, it'll be one of Sane or Sterling. It tends to be Sane that drops out. But Sane is on good form and he, he's... I mean, maybe he's a little bit wasteful. That's the only criticism I'd have of Sane. Uh, but yeah, City just in general, they look really, really good. I mean, they beat one of the best defensive teams in the league, 3-0. So uh, what more What more do you need to say? And they were playing, you know, with the handbrake on for most of the game. Aguero and Jesus is also a conundrum. Um, Jesus obviously played fantastically well in the Carabao Cup game when they won 9-0. I think that's what, what gained him his place in the team for this this one. And seeing as he scored two goals, I think it might retain his place. He's at 10.1 now, if I'm remembering yeah. correctly. It's, we've been here before, <laughs> haven't we? It's... I mean, I feel I feel bad for anyone who's gone for Aguero because it seemed like a a good idea. And I don't then know. I don't know if I do feel bad because also, if you hadn't gone for Aguero, you would have gone for Aubameyang, two yeah. points, or you would have gone for Kane, yeah. two points. So actually, true, you're not that worse off. Yeah, I, I guess it's just you have to make one more transfer than you originally planned well, to now. So. Yeah. Well, do but then you... that's been me all season. I keep taking minus fours for no good reason and then being like, oh, I need to reverse that. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I'd, if I literally just bought Aguero last week. Yeah. I don't think I'd be literally trying to get rid of him this week. Yeah. I, I think that's a, a fair shout. You kind of want to stick it out a little bit when you and just see what happens. Mm. But yeah. In general, my takeaway from this was Man City, you know, they, they kind of played Wolves off the park and having the the man sent off early kind of created a big problem for them where Wolves just couldn't get the ball. And they brought Adama Traore on to just run with it, but unfortunately that's all he can do. So he he ran the ball into dangerous areas and then just lost it. Um, But yeah, I thought the the play was a hell of a lot slower about KDB. And I'm very excited about the, the idea of KDB coming back into the side and playing with the likes of, of Sterling and Silva making runs off the last man. So we've assessed some elite clubs, and I have a question for you, Nat. Is Shane Long the elite force that your striker slot has been crying out for? No, obviously not. Oh, you didn't even run with it there. I thought you might give him a little... No, a little as soon as Ings is fit again, Long is gone. Well, long is long gone. Is Not if he keeps playing like this, eh? Like... Was he the highest scoring striker this week? He got an assist as well. Yeah, because he fell over in the penalty area. Absolutely. They all count. (laughs) Same thing Sterling did. So he was the second highest scorer. Uh, Jesus, of course, who we just mentioned about. Was it who we just mentioned? Or why wouldn't they play Ings and Long together? They could do. But being serious now, I'm not even going to tempt the shit out of it and look at his price because, yeah, no, you're right. He's not the one worth looking at. 
But Bednarek at 3.9, absolutely exceptional. Brilliant clearance off the line in, in this game against Leicester. And Southampton, they completed this game with 28% possession. How? Well, basically, they got a man sent off in the first half and then oh, immediately Valerie. went on to score. Yeah. Uh, so that put them up 2-0 just before half time, And after that, it was just basically men behind the ball. I was a bit gutted because I brought Redmond in and he started the game really well. He set up a, a good chance for Armstrong. But I think as soon as they had a man sent off and they had a two-goal lead, yeah, it was back to the wall. Mm. And Leicester really, really struggles. And I think we spoke about this before. It's similar with Wolves. Uh, Wolves who are playing Leicester this week, actually, which makes it a very interesting matchup because both of these teams do the exact same thing. They, they just want to counter-attack. When they have the ball and they have to force the issue, they really, really struggle. Um, did you see Vardy's dive? Yes. How bad was it? Yeah, I was really into Jermaine Genus getting mad about how about the diving committee, and because he didn't, <laughs> oh, yeah. he didn't deceive the referee, the diving committee can't be involved. And Jermaine Genus how was absolutely is losing his shit. He, he was. I, I do love it when they get so like worked up about this, but it's crazy, isn't it? Like, so for anyone who didn't didn't see match of the day, I guess we got a few listeners from outside the UK, but they were talking about this diving committee that came in this season and has banned one player, Nias, in about week three. And since then, nothing has happened, despite there being dives that have won penalties. <laughs> um, and there was one that was very similar to Nias's. I think it might have even been Mo Salah, actually. Um, but yeah, they were talking about about this this dive and how because he didn't win a penalty for it, the diving committee can't punish him because of the rule is... It has to trick the referee for the dive to be punishable. I'm just scratching my head. Like, when they made this diving committee, was that not something... (laughs) Like, did they not have a QA sort of analysis of this? Of, like, how do we check the... uh, Or or just an analysis of all the potential pitfalls? Like, that seems a fairly standard thing to do. And they didn't catch it, apparently. So, yeah, it's it's amazing. But Vardy didn't win the penalty. Leicester lost the game. Uh, Bednarek... Is it three point nine? And if you're looking for for some uh, an opportunity to free up some money in a team that has some good fixtures, and I think considering the way they defended, could be on for some clean sheets soon. Uh, two home games back to back with Everton and Crystal Palace. Everton, of course, really really struggling for goals at the moment. Um, and then it's Apart Burnley. From the two they scored at the weekend. Yeah, but they freaking struggled to get there. <laughs> the the second it's one was defenders in, only. The second one was the ninety third minute, wasn't it? And what was the? I'm trying to remember the first goal. Um, it was Zuma and Dean. Yeah. Oh yeah, Luca Dean with another assist. I'm amazed that Everton finally kept a clean sheet. Uh, but we'll. I don't think that even made it into the running order actually, which I'm quite sad about. Maybe I'll give it a cursory mention. Uh, but yeah, also McCarthy came back into the side, which I thought was a bit annoying because I wanted that gun 4.3 option, but it looks like it's not going to be a thing. Yeah, both both potential options there. Um, and in other news, game week 14 is the last time that Watford didn't score in a game. And they've only failed to score five times a season. In fact, they actually rank in seventh place for goals scored in the last, uh, the last nine games. So that's the Christmas period until now. Liverpool atop, Manchester United also on 24, tied with Liverpool. Spurs are in third place. Man City, Arsenal, West Ham ahead of them with uh, 16 goals. 
and Watford have 15. So I think Watford are definitely a team to look at, especially with this good fixture on they had. I mean, we did mention them last week and they came away with a win in a very tricky game against Crystal Palace, who are strong defensively. So probably the most painful thing was seeing Dare Lefeu and Pereira hitting the post yeah. immediately one after, after one. Other. Yeah, it's just like the pain I felt because you have De La Feu, I have Pereira and it was like they let us both down in one <laughs> fell sweep it's so upsetting but they did look really good and I think they Watford are interesting in that they have these short spells of about five to ten minutes in a game where they're just absolutely brilliant and you don't know you don't understand where it's come from but they just they create so many chances the problem is they don't always finish them so you're kind of taking a bit of a punt on them. But I think at their prices, around the the 6 million mark, uh, De La Feu is even cheaper than that. He's 5.4 and, and Decore at 5.9. I think all of these guys are really good players to look at. And Holobas with, with another assist. We're um, not entertaining Holobas. I, I mean, I don't like it personally. It's not one that I'd ever advocate strongly for. Uh, but I just wanted to, to pick up that his set-piece delivery has been excellent of late. And he... Uh... He does. I mean, he's been better than Kiko for has been for me. Let's just say that. Uh, so who did I say? I, I said that we'd give a cursory mention to, to Bournemouth and Everton because Everton won 2-0. Uh, it feels like the first clean sheet in forever. I feel like I have to swallow some humble pie on, on Luca Dean because... It's the first clean sheet since I've had him. Oh, really? I've had him for a little while. Like three weeks, maybe? Or maybe a little bit weeks. longer. Enough weeks. It's, it's the it's first kind of... time I've had more than two points from him. I yeah. Think. It's all or nothing with him, though, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's an literally. assist, two goals and a clean sheet, or it's just one, one point, point. Or, uh, or or minus points. But yeah, he. I thought he was really impressive. What stood out to me was not just that his delivery is good, um, obviously set up the goal for Zuma, but it was that he wins the ball back so much. And, and um, who was it? Uh, David Brooks, particularly yeah. in the second half, like... Brooks had a fantastic game and really should have scored. Yeah. Um, he kept creating chances. He kept just causing problems with his dribbling. But in the second half, Everton really seemed to pick it up. And Dean, every time he was up against Brooks, he just won the ball back. And I thought it was really impressive how many tackles he won in, in that game overall. And it really underpins just the the quality that he has. I don't like Luca Dean's price because, you know, now it's up to like 5.3. And as I said before... I don't like the look of them getting clean sheets, although they do have Huddersfield in game week 24, which should be a, a nailed-on clean sheet. Uh, but they have Southampton next and it's away from home, and I, I really like the way that Southampton are looking, the way that they're playing. Um, but yeah, like in general, like in an isolated scenario, I think he's a, a brilliant player. Richarlison missed a number of chances. Um, uh, in the first half, Richarlison had less touches than Pickford. Oh, really? Yeah. That's amazing. And yeah. To be fair, Bournemouth came out of the traps flying. Like, they created a number of very good chances early on. And it just seemed to fade from then on in. I, I don't know if it was maybe Everton sort of, you know, fixed their tactics for the second half and, and stopped, uh, you know, like I was saying, Dean kept dispossessing uh, yeah. Brooks in the second half, whereas the first half, Brooks was run- running free constantly. But Bournemouth still had chances in the second half. And uh, Richarlison had one particular big chance that was cleared off the line by... I can't remember who it was now. He just looks to be out of form at the moment. I mean, we spoke about him having good fixtures now and how it's probably a good time to hang on to him because lots are getting rid. 
But I would be a little bit worried, particularly if you've got double up. Like if you've only got Richarlison from Everton, it's cool. But if you've got double up, it's probably uh, with Dean as well. It's probably time to look at moving him on. Um, also, on Bournemouth side of things, their fixtures don't really get better until game week 30. Uh, they're up against West Ham, Chelsea, Cardiff, which is the one, you know, shining light in there. Then Liverpool, Wolves, Arsenal, Man City. Considering the run of form they're on right now, and they have to face a lot of teams who are either in form or just better than them. Yeah. I'd be very worried about Fraser and uh, Wilson is, is rumoured to... Well, apparently Bournemouth wants £75 million for for Chelsea to sign him. So I think it's probably unlikely that that will happen, but you never know. Mm. But Wilson actually would be a mentally good option if he was playing for Chelsea. Uh, Man United we already spoke about although I did think their defence was impressive so Lindelof at, at 4.9 could be a shout although I'm not entirely sure about them longer term um, did we miss anyone from United? We spoke about Pogba didn't we? I don't know if we did well Pogba's really good, I do want to say <laughs> that he's, he's absolutely brilliant I, I'm really really impressed with him, he does seem to be playing a much more offensive role now and his pass for Rashford's goal was I was kind of in awe of it because it was one of those that's so perfect. The move was so perfect in its execution. Like the pass had the perfect amount of weight on it, and Rashford's touch was also so good. And that is the kind of like elite level football stuff that, when you see it come off, it's really satisfying. And you know the flip side, you had Ali missing a very very similar chance, and it shows you the fine margins in those games. But yeah, Pogba. I wouldn't say he's essential because no one is essential in FPL. But I am admittedly very worried about not owning him while owning the very rotatable David Silva. So I yeah. could I could do a straight swap. It's mad that you aren't just doing a straight swap. I I mean, this will be the death of me every year in FPL because I just I have my favourites and I can't help it. I, I have bias. I mean, I have that. But my favourites are Lewis Dunk. So it's never going <laughs> to They're, not, they're harmless favourites, yeah. yeah. My favourites are awkwardly priced underperformers. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's also the fact that City have Huddersfield and he's a differential and their their form is really good. So I do think I might, I might look after the Huddersfield game yeah. at getting rid but I really want to keep an eye on City before making any moves like that because it just feels very uninspiring to me. Like I hate the idea of matching other people's points, even though it makes perfect sense to do that because every time Pogba scores and David Silva doesn't, I'm going to be in the shit. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, and also a mention for Pedro, who's 6.3, uh, scored a goal. I was absolutely fuming at the lack of quality in Newcastle's defending for this goal, but... It was a nice little goal. Pedro, is he is he on your watch list? Oh, yes, again. <laughs> again, he keeps popping up. I know, it's so annoying. Um, yeah, I'd like. I know you're not keen. Yeah, but I'm I not. just think like he is cheap, and like, but he's the same price as Pereira, and he plays for Chelsea. Well, there we go. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I just feel like I don't really care about how well like I kind of had this argument earlier in the season yeah where I was like I don't really care how well the team are playing uh-huh. because it's about the player getting FPL points yeah that's the situation right yeah and he's doing it like he's just come back from injury and there he pops with a nice little goal like 10 minutes in or whatever like 
Well, do. yeah, it, it's weird because I've been crying out for this for the past few years for Pedro to be a nailed on starter for Chelsea, and now he finally is. It's like I don't want him for some reason. Um, obviously, they play Arsenal this week. I think their fixtures after that. Are, I mean, I mean, it depends how you're looking at Arsenal. Like, it is away from home. It's at the Emirates, so maybe that makes it a bit tougher. The biggest problem I have with Chelsea is they're not they're not scoring enough goals. But like you say, he's he's getting points. He's six point three, so he's not going to break the bank. They play Bournemouth and Huddersfield back to back after that. So actually, like, especially if you can't afford um, Matey Boy Hazard, mm. I'd love to have a Chelsea player against Bournemouth who can't stop conceding and Huddersfield who can't stop conceding. Yeah. So like, what I'm looking to do is. So I've done Pogba this week and I actually still have loads of money left over from doing whatever I've done. So I did Mitrovic down to Barnes and still back from when I did Laporte down to Dean, I have loads of money in the bank. So yeah. I'm going to, I'm looking to do like a Patterson up to Pedro. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And, and... or like, and then like Delefeu to, D, to Nasri. Yeah. Like yeah, something that like that. Good. That sounds good. Um, I really like the look of that Bournemouth Huddersfield back to back. Like I, I wouldn't want to keep him long term because they face City, Brighton, Spurs after that, and then it it gets a bit better again. But Chelsea's fixtures for the rest of the season, they do look a bit mixed. They're playing like a lot of teams in the the higher sort of part of the table. So yeah, I, I am actually a little bit convinced now that next week when City play Newcastle I could switch David Silva to Pedro just for two weeks Mm -hmm. and I get a a Chelsea player for Bournemouth and Huddersfield fixtures which sounds very very nice on paper Um, but yeah like I said the the problem I have with Chelsea is that they're scoring and in the last nine games they have 12 goals so they're actually behind Everton and Southampton at the moment who both have 13 um and West Ham obviously I mentioned them on 16 so that's kind of the worry I have and Chelsea I thought were horrendously boring in this game against Newcastle but also I think Newcastle like to make games horrendously boring for their opposition uh a little bit disappointed like I said they're defending David Luiz should be mentioned he's a little bit too expensive for my taste when you could have a Liverpool player instead but maybe you could have a Liverpool player and David Louis or two Liverpool players and David Louis in defence. Um, I think he's five point nine, right? Yeah. Yeah, and he got an assist in this, and it was it was a good assist. But I just thought, um, was it Kieran Clark? I believe it was Kieran Clark. The way he got under the ball was just so freaking dumb. Like he had so long to watch it. Uh, yeah. Okay. So quick chat about goalkeepers as well because we had a very. I couldn't tell if he was angry or very pleased with the podcast, but he seemed very passionate about goalkeepers. <laughs> and uh, we don't mention goalkeepers ever. So we just wanted to give a, a quick shout out to the well, uh, the good performing goalkeepers in the, in the league this season. I mean, I haven't changed mine since game week. Well, I haven't changed mine at all this season. I've had the same two since you game week You still have one. Ryan. I still have Ryan because... I haven't really wanted to make a goalkeeper transfer yet ahead of any other transfers. And I would have brought in Angus Gunn this week. So I'm very glad I didn't do that at least. Yeah. 
especially for a minus four, would have been mental. I would have put him in, and then at least I would have still got Fabianski's points. But yeah, it's it's not a good idea. Um, yeah, have you got any any favourites? Any favourite goalkeepers? Yeah, because no. I think Allison is absolutely hands down the best option if you just want to play a man who's going to get clean sheets every week pretty much yeah. every week but his price being i think he's all the way up to like 6.3 or something ridiculous no. now he's he's been going up man oh no sorry i i've overestimated that 5.9 so hmm. it's still a lot of money for a yeah. goalkeeper considering he started at 5.5 as well yeah yeah, 5.5, actually, in, in hindsight, was a, a fantastic price. I had him. I started the season with him. Oh, and then God, was, yeah, you did. Was like, oh, actually, I think I want two cheap guys instead, and I'm yeah. just going to have Robertson. Yeah, so Alisson, the problem with him is that you hamstring another area of your team by spending yeah. a good... Uh, so say you had Alisson... Say you brought him in now at 5.9, and you had Button. That's 9.9 on goalkeepers. Whereas you could be, you could be spending nine million or less on goalkeepers, and I think that's what puts me off of him. Um, also, that's partly down to the fact that you can get Liverpool defenders for cheaper. But flip side to yeah. that is, they're not necessarily going to play every week, whereas Allison is. Yeah. Um, and then you have the assist potential thing that, that that you throw into it. But but Allison has been exceptional this year. If you want to set set and forget, it's him. Yeah, I don't. I kind of personally don't like just having one goalkeeper. No. Um, I like to have, like, even if I have one expensive one, I want a cheap one as well. But I want a cheap one who does play. Yeah. And that's the problem that, like, like you said, you're tying up so much money. Yeah. In goalkeepers. And it's it's very good to have to have cover because you will get you will run into situations where. You don't want to play your goalkeeper for a game. And I think if Allison is your goalkeeper, that's not su- such an issue. But say you have someone like Etheridge, who I think has been exceptional and is definitely... If I had the, the funds for it, I would definitely be looking at bringing him in as my second goalkeeper. Unfortunately, I'm not point too sure at the moment. <sighs> but um, Etheridge has been fantastic. Cardiff looked very good. And I think having a Cardiff defender or a Cardiff goalkeeper is a great idea. Personally, I prefer the goalkeeper rotation. I think you're the same. Patricio was a popular one, but I feel like a lot of people got caught out by doubling up with Patricio and Doherty. And Wolves have really struggled with clean sheets as of late. I think their fixtures have gotten worse. But yeah, I I don't love, I don't love the idea of sort of um, doubling up with a, a defender and a goalkeeper. No. Although I have literally done it in my own team with West Ham. <laughs> so, yeah, I got Patricio so that I didn't have to get a defender. Yeah, but like I've pretty much stopped playing him. Yeah. Um. So like I definitely think about switching him to Etheridge. Like, if I wild carded or something. Yeah, I think Ether- uh, Etheridge is a better better option purely because he's he makes so many saves and he is so freaking good. Wolves' fixtures do get better though. Foster is always a a good one to look at, but. Watford don't keep enough clean sheets. Uh, I'd say something similar about Spurs. Like, they do have a really nice run of fixtures. Maybe maybe if you're freeing up some money from Kane, you could look at Lloris, because he is at least a, a nailed-on starter. Uh, De Gea, I think, is just way too overpriced, and you can get a defender for 4.9, for example. 
elsewhere, yeah, I don't really know if there's any options I'd look at. I don't really like Kepa because I don't think Chelsea's defence is all that overall. Yeah, he doesn't seem to make many saves either. No, it's kind of the, the worst of both worlds in, in his scenario. And I would have said Gaeta before he went and got injured. Mm. But that was, you know, that was annoying. It's funny how a lot changes in a week with <laughs> Gunn back to the bench and Gaeta coming off injured and Hennessy, Mr. Nazi, coming in and playing again. <laughs> but yeah, I, I really like the idea of Cardiff. It's, uh, Cardiff I hate because... I have one of their players in my Sky team that I barely look at, but I haven't had the balls to do it this season with a, a defender or Etheridge. And every time I've thought about doing it and not done it, they've gone and got a clean sheet. And I've yeah. been like, oh, so I've missed out on those points. And now I still don't have the guts to go and do it because I feel like I, you know, this will be the week they screw it up. Worth, uh, worth noting Heaton as well, just because Burnley look a little bit better, but I think he's yeah. at 4.8, isn't he? Uh, yes. And that also, that goal they conceded mm. against whoever it was they played, there was no way anybody was saving that. Not even yeah. Nick Pope would have saved that. Yeah, yeah, so... to be fair, it was ridiculous, wasn't it? Uh, Sherla, who, who scored. Yeah. I was very, very impressed. Um, And yeah, the, these are all guys to look at, actually, if you're on a wildcard. Like, if I was on a wildcard now, Etheridge would be in there. But I guess that, that segues nicely into talking about wildcards. If you got... Have you got any plans for your wildcard? How do you how do you prefer to use your second wildcard of the season? Hopefully towards the end of the season, either in a blank week or a double. Yeah, I'm much the same. Uh, for for p- those who aren't aware, because I know there's, there's a guy I was speaking to at work who was asking about um, what to do with his free hit, for example. And I was mentioning the, the blank game week, which is, I think, the first... There's going to be a, a blank in game week... League Cup final. So the League Cup final is on Sunday the 25th of February. That's soon. Yeah, so that's going to be one of Spurs and Chelsea and Man City will be missing a fixture in that week. There's obviously a a bigger blank game week later in the season for the FA Cup. Uh, But basically, yeah, what happens is when the FA Cup games are played, they're played on a Premier League weekend, which means games have to be taken out of that that game week and put back into another one so around about game week 34 and 37 is usually when these uh when these double game weeks show up uh but yeah that's something to be mindful of think ahead to game week 27 if you have chelsea players or spurs players or city players they're well some of them are definitely going to miss out that week um but yeah for your wild card in general like i don't like to use it now unless you're absolutely desperate because you have these scenarios where you start looking at your team and you think, oh God, like all these options have appeared, like Rashford has started smashing it, Pogba started smashing it. And you start thinking that the players you have are useless and you start thinking in binary terms like, oh, I have to get rid of these players because they're bad. But you should also be mindful of the fact that we've just come out of a very, very hectic Christmas schedule where players have been sort of run into the red zone to a certain extent where they're just playing too many games and they're all humans, so they can't necessarily keep up this this sort of hectic level of performance that is expected of them. So you may start to that may start to colour your thinking to the point of you deciding that you need to rip up your entire team. And I think if you are only going to make say two or three transfers, 
you're much better off doing that over a period of three weeks where you can assess the players again and make sure you're not getting rid of guys who are just going to bang all of a sudden. Um, so I, I prefer to be a little bit more conservative with the second wildcard and use it to stock up on players who will be involved in the double game week, uh, round about game week 34. Because that just seems like, you know, it's the most logical way to do it, especially if you have big teams playing in the double game week. And I know it doesn't always work out fantastically. Like you could you could get a march on, on people in your league or benefit really well from a wild card right now. But I also feel like teams like City have been written off to some extent because of the way they performed over Christmas and everyone's gone gone all in on Man United assets and everyone's gone all in on um well who else has been popular is <laughs> basically son. yeah son that everyone's gonna have to get rid of him now yeah uh, so yeah I if you look at your team and you can field a good team and you've got good fixtures like I, I wouldn't pull the trigger this early but I do understand it if your team is you know you want to make six seven changes and you really need to work some budget around maybe if you want to change the structure of your team and go for like three cheap strikers or get some you want to somehow get van dyke in your defense but you can only do that in four weeks worth of transfers i kind of i kind of see the logic there but yeah i would save mine personally all right shall we move on to the next thing which is the domestic domestic. (laughs) yeah i was just checking that oh we didn't talk about one bissaka oh okay What's up? What's up with him? His four well, f- four points from a game that he lost. Yeah. What a bastard. Um, so if anyone had any doubts about how good Wambasaka is, I hmm. think you can just throw those out right now. Yeah, honestly, it's so it's so annoying because I took a minus four and I benched Wambasaka, so I not only lost out on his four points and got one point from Kalasanach, but I took a minus four to to do it in the first place. So once again, he's proven to me that I'm a dick and also that I should never leave him on the bench when I, I... He's a perfect example, actually, of what I was just saying about, you know, wanting to get rid of your players too too quickly or too hastily. Like, I wanted someone other than him to play this week, but I have him in my team to play when there's, like, no one else. Yeah. And I ignored him and I lost out. And it, it's this is what happens with you. Like, you get to invested in the idea of oh I want to get a hundred point score this week and I was like oh Kalasinac might assist some goals like West Ham are quite bad defensively I shouldn't have taken a minus four I would have been much better off if I just stuck with what I had and just believed in my boys and that's the the moral of the story but yeah the the analysis domestic it's all change at the top of the league with John McMahon slipping down to third and James Andrew taking second whilst Hamish Holland Illy goes into first place Oh, a bit of January drama for you. It is. It's quite exciting, actually, I think. It's the most exciting this league has been. Yeah, but... it's better than the Premier League. You know what they say, whoever's top <laughs> at Christmas always wins the league. No, not in the analysis domestic. <laughs> no, very much not. Hamish is now 11 points clear. But then from second to what is now joint fourth is only six points. Hmm. It's mad. It's so mad. It's proper, proper competitive action. It really is, and no one is that. No one else in the top ten is really that far away yeah. from being able to like win it. 
Well, that is the one thing I would say to so... people who are maybe getting a little bit disheartened at this time of the season, if you are still listening to the podcast and, and not doing <laughs> so well. Like, we have 16 weeks left. If you can start getting your captain right, something that I, you know, pride myself on trying to do, and I, I never do it because I'm an idiot. But, like, if you can get a good run of captaincy uh, selections and you can use your triple captain well, you can plan for the double game weeks... You can get in on some people before the hype blows up. Like, we talked about Man City being differentials. If they go crazy against Huddersfield and you maybe have a a captain in that or something, you could make up a lot of points really quickly. And I think it's just... um, You could definitely make up, you know, around about 100 to 150 points if you're smart about how how you do things. But there is an element of luck too, so... Yeah, don't don't feel too down if you're not doing well. You can still shoot up the ranks relatively quickly. Yeah, and our top scorers for the last game week as well, both on 86 points, uh, Pete Haley and Jonathan Vebinger. Um, but Pete did take a minus four. Uh, oh, so... so that gets him out of the running. Well, not out of the running, but, but the other guy didn't. But so. Jonathan is a more worthy winner, I yeah. think. Jonathan didn't need to take disgusting, immoral points hits <laughs> to achieve. Well, well done to both of those guys anyway. They absolutely smashed my game week score, so that's that's all good. Uh, okay, we're going to move on to a game week 23 preview, I think. Yep, yep. game week 23. What you got for me, game week 23, baby? You got some matches, that's for sure. And there's a 12.30 kickoff, and it's Wolves against Leicester. Um... This, yeah, we spoke about this earlier being the battle of the counter-attackers. So I wonder if this is just going to be that that Simpsons gif where they're just passing it to each other and hoping the other one will try and do something with the ball. What are your, your feelings for this? Uh, do you have Jimenez? I can't remember. You no, don't? Never. So if you did, I've would you play him? I've never an outfield Wolves player. Uh, yes, of course I would play him. Because for me, it's between Arnautovic and Jimenez. Obviously, Arnautovic could end up in China by then. We don't really know, but... Well, obviously, play Arnautovic. Yeah, he... Yeah, absolutely. I think that's what I'm going to do. Thank you for that. <laughs> Duh. But I don't know. This this could be a good time for um your Wolves defenders, certainly. I mean, Leicester have not been amazing I in front know. of goal. So this is my problem this week is, is it... Patricio or is it Fabianski? Hmm. That's my big dilemma this week. I mean, I'm biased, but I would say Fabianski. I j- I just like I've got Fabianski in. The thing yeah. I like about Fabianski is even if he does drop a clean sheet, I think he makes more saves on average than Patricio. I am kind of assuming that a little bit, but he does have the most saves in the Premier League this season, so it probably you know that that must be more it saves on average it has to be true it's impossible for it not to be um yeah I think I'd go for Fabianski purely because of that and the fact that West Ham were just really good defensively this week and Declan Rice was was incredible making very important interceptions and, and tackles uh but I think Wolves are the better team overall I think they're they're more dangerous on the counter-attack and they're more organised defensively. And I think that will probably get them a low-scoring win, maybe a 2-1. But I would definitely look at... If I had Doherty still, he'd be in. He'd be well in. And I am actually... I was toying with the idea of bringing in a Wolves defender this week, as I could get one for 4.3, but I'm just sticking with Kiko. I'm going to make no transfers this week and see what happens. Uh, So we have a bunch of 3 o'clock kickoffs following that. We have Bournemouth against West Ham. 
Uh, Liverpool play Crystal Palace. Man United play Brighton. Newcastle play Cardiff. Southampton play Everton. And Watford play Burnley. How stacked is that? That's like a proper throwback to the 90s, like man. Like Dumbroco get stacked. That's how <laughs> stacked it is. Oh, God, yeah. I miss that T-shirt. I, I was that. telling someone the other day about that T-shirt. Maybe it was Charlie. I can't remember. There's a niche one for Dombroco fans <laughs> out there. Um, yeah, so we've got a bunch of good games here, actually. This this is a freaking sick-looking accumulator, I think. Any uh, any games in particular take your fancy? Maybe any captain options or any, any shocks or, or surprising results you foresee? I want to talk about Liverpool, Palace and Man United, Brighton. Okay. Because I think... The untrained eye would look at those and be like, oh, sick, Liverpool and Man United, yeah, captain those. <laughs> but um, Liverpool, like Crystal Palace at Anfield are Liverpool's like bogey team, right? Mm. Like Liverpool don't win against Crystal Palace at Anfield. Yeah, I think maybe they did last year. I can't actually remember. But, but yeah, they, sure. they do have a bad record. <laughs> yeah. So there's that. And also Brighton kind of seem to be Man United's bogey team as well. Not so much at... Old Trafford, mm. but they beat them early in the remember. season, didn't they? Yeah, Brighton beat. I think it was three one as well. Like, yeah, and I can't. There was an FA Cup game last year that was Man United Brighton at at sorry at, <laughs> Anfield. at Anfield. How hard would Whoa. that be? <laughs> um, and that was like either I think that was two one mm. maybe or maybe two nil. So like I don't think it'll be a totally crazy one. I, I would say that. Salah is still definitely worth a shout just because he actually got three bonus points despite only scoring one goal this week, which is... I I don't even know how it's happened. Like That was actually one of the reasons <laughs> I didn't captain him was because I was like, well, even if he does score, there's no way he's going to get He won't bonus get the points. bonus points. And somehow he did. But mm. I think it's probably because Liverpool didn't really do much attacking in, in that game. And I suspect it will follow a similar pattern against Palace because Palace are a team that can defend and they're, they're well organised. That said, I do think Salah is a safe option and will be as the season goes on because he is just, he scores goals constantly. And, and no matter whether it's got to be four or five goals in one game or just the one, it's still valuable. And it's still valuable to, you know, rather than be like me and have two points doubled, if you can have seven or eight points doubled, that's better than the risk of, of screwing it up. So I think Salah should always be in the conversation from here on in. I do agree with you about Brighton, though. I think that will be a tough game for Man United. Um, again, another organised defensive team. And I, I wouldn't really think... know who to captain for because I don't... Pogba isn't an obvious sort of like guy who's going to score like loads of goals in one game. It's more like yeah. he might get one or... Yeah, I don't think Man United won't win. Yeah, yeah. But I think it'll be like a 1-0, 2-0. Agreed there. Maybe Agreed a 2-1. Bournemouth-West uh, Ham is an interesting one because West Ham, as I said, they're sixth in the league for goals, goals scored over the last nine games and they're playing the team who is basically the worst, if not the worst. So you have to think this will be a, a win for West Ham, especially as they mm. they had a really good record over Christmas, actually, West Ham. Uh, yeah, they won six of nine games. And uh, drew one, lost two. So West Ham really are a, a team in form. And it looks like it's probably not captainable because, you know, Arnautovic would be the obvious one. And Felipe, uh, Felipe Anderson hasn't really been returning the numbers recently. But maybe if you're a little bit 
you know, maybe if you're disregarding what I just said about Salah and you want a risky pick because you're just mental, then yeah, it could be could be nice to look that way. Uh, Newcastle Cardiff, yeah, looks like a good opportunity for a Cardiff clean sheet for sure. But I'd never really know of Newcastle. They they can score goals, just not many of them. Yeah. Uh, Southampton play Everton. I'm gonna play Redmond again. I'm I'm hopeful for him, even though I know it's a trap. I'm actually starting Ings. Oh, are you? Is he yeah. gonna be back for this one then? Don't know, but I'm gonna put him on because I'm not gonna get Captain him. Thirteen Why points not? again. Uh, in Watford Burnley, which is a particularly interesting one because Burnley don't often score many goals, but Watford do like to concede them. So I'm kind of I've I've provisionally got Kiko Femenya in my team, and it's absolutely terrifying a thought. I think Burnley were the first team since the start of the Premier League to win a game by two goals without having a shot on yeah. win. Scoring two goals without having a shot on target. Okay, and we have the late kickoff, which is Arsenal-Chelsea. I won't be making the Aubameyang captain mistake, but this should be a banging match. Uh, Arsenal's home form, yeah, definitely much, much better than their away form. I can actually just pull this up now for you. So over the course of the season, Arsenal are actually third for home form. Uh, They've won eight, they've drawn two, and they've lost one. And And the one they lost... The one they lost was against Man City. Oh, okay. So, 24 oh, yeah, goals. First game of the season. 24 goals in 11 games and only 10 goals against. So, even our defence has not been terrible at home, although it is from 11 games, so it's almost a goal a game. There's, I mean, City have scored, uh, conceded 10 goals from 12 games at home. So, it's, yeah, it's comparable to the best in the league. Mm-hmm. So probably not quite as as bad a fixture as you might think for Arsenal. Um, Chelsea also, I mentioned earlier, were one of the... uh, Not one of the lower scorers in the league, but not right up the top. And they do look a bit tedious in attack at the moment. So it could be a very interesting one. I'd definitely be playing all of my attacking assets from both teams in this one because it should be a really exciting game. And I'm hoping there will be plenty of goals. I think I might even play Kalasanach, but I'm not quite sure yet. I think my other option is Diop. And it'd be a Diop-Fabianski double up. <laughs> not entirely sure. Uh, then on Sunday, we have two games. We have a 1.30. It's Huddersfield versus Man City. Obviously, this is a very enticing one for captaincy. I'm currently looking at, at Raheem Sterling for my captain, but I might actually just switch it to Salah just to... Just to kind of cleanse myself of all this crazy captaincy that I've been doing lately. And then Fulham versus Spurs at, at four o'clock, which would have, you know, back in the day been like a, an amazing fixture. But now with the Kane news and, and Son away, who knows? Um, what are your feelings about these games? Are you are you looking at a City captain maybe or are you? Yeah, I currently have uh, Sterling as my captain and Salah Vice. Hmm. But I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. It's a tough one. Um, before we, we move on to saying our goodbyes and all that and doing the clean sheet cup, actually, uh, do you have, do you know what transfers you're making this week or are you? Yeah, I've already done Pogba, Renner. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. I, I think I'm actually going to ride it out this week and just do none. It's again, it's a cleansing effect, you know, it has to be done. <laughs> okay. Uh, clean sheet cup. I believe you have the scores. I believe they're in. Yeah. What has happened? You've got a point. Oh my God. Because you a said point. a team who kept a clean sheet and I didn't I did who did I say Natalie don't know 
It was Cardiff, wasn't know. it? Someone like that. It was Cardiff because I was talking about going for a nil-nil in that match. And I don't know if you actually did talk about doing that. I, I definitely did. Okay. I remember it because I, I remember how I felt. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it was it was a good win. So I guess that means you're back on uh, back on duty for going first. Oh, it's true. Okay, uh, I'm gonna have that Newcastle Cardiff nil nil. Newcastle Cardiff nil nil. I absolutely love it, and I think you have a good shot there. For me, it's gonna be. Oh, it's going to have to be Man City against Huddersfield. Man City kept their uh, their first clean sheet in about 10 years against Wolves. and <laughs> Approximately 10 years. They're playing Huddersfield, who are not going to have a new manager bounce because they just don't have the quality in the team. So that just seems like a tap-in if ever there was What's one. What's happened? Well, so we haven't mentioned the fact that Wagner has been let go. Yeah. Um. So I haven't actually read the official story, but wasn't it that he has left the club as opposed to being sacked. Yeah, left amicably. So basically, they had a conversation and they were like, we're going to fire you, but you can just go, I assume. Like, I can't see why he would have left that because he could have left in the summer. Other clubs wanted to sign him. So why would you do it now? Like, it, it seems kind of weird. But it's very disappointing because... I don't know what Huddersfield expect is going to happen from here. Like, I can't see them getting much better. They don't They no. don't have a good squad. And they're missing Aaron Moy. Like, they've signed Jason Punchin as an Aaron Moy replacement. And I just don't think it's going to be, going to be good enough for them. But I think that's about <laughs> it for me. I mean, we did also... There was some other news in that um, Abubakar Kamara has apparently had a physical fight with Mitrovic during a yoga session. <laughs> So, I mean, that just sounds great, doesn't it? <laughs> it does sound absolutely mad. Like, I'm currently imagining, like, Callum Chambers there in, like, some, like, tree position. <laughs> and then just out of the corner of his eye, he's just watching, like, Mitrovic and Kamara squaring up. Oh, God. Imagine Kamara's angry face as well. I bet it's absolutely... Well, Mitrovic as well, to be fair. But I bet it's absolutely terrifying. He just has one of those faces... Because you, you saw it, obviously, like when he was, um when he wanted the penalty, Kamara, yeah. he looked mad. And I would not like to run into that guy when he's, when he's throwing a fit. Uh, okay, cool. So that, I think that sums it up for this week. We'll be back next week. Before we go, I wanted to shout out Real Doozy, or The Real Doozy from iTunes, who gave us a from five star iTunes. from iTunes, famously from iTunes, gave us yeah. a five star review in a really, uh, really nice Nice positive message in there. Really appreciate that. I wanted to say thank you to CJ, uh, who also gave me to myself a nice... Well, actually gave me via our friend Emma uh, a really nice review of the podcast. So thanks, CJ, for listening. Also, I wanted to shout out Emma's... My friend Emma has a new podcast. It's 100% not good target audience for us. But it's nice to <laughs> shout her out because she's great. Yeah. Uh, it's called Around the World in 80 Bays. Uh, if you like women trash-talking men, it's absolutely <laughs> incredible. It's, and it is really funny. You've got to try it's, it. Uh, You've got to try it at least once, right? Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's Emma and her fr- my friend Emma and her friend Jess uh, talking about their 
sexual experiences and it's absolutely hilarious like it's so funny um and it's like it wasn't the sort of thing i thought i was going to be into but it is just really exciting fun content yeah so that's around the world in 80 bays as in correct the words that sort of mean babe (laughs) so there you are um, I'll put a link in the description anyway. Yeah, that, that makes the most sense. So if you did enjoy this podcast, like CJ and Real Doozy, uh, you can rate and review us on iTunes, and it would be much appreciated. Every single five-star uh, rating goes to shoot us up those iTunes charts and, and just make us look more good, which is really appreciated because then we can get more listeners and then we can do this more often and enjoy it more. Um also, you can follow us on Twitter at The Denalysis and you can email us if you have any questions. Our email address is hello at thedenalysis.com. But for now, we'll be back next week. We wish you all the best in your in your FPL endeavours and just, uh, yeah, stay cool. Fantasy responsibly. Fantasy responsibly. That's our tagline. Always. Peace out, y'all. Bye.